Alright, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Baki Taki, uh, specifically episode 5. This is one that I've been looking forward to. There's some real fun stuff that happens in this episode, so we're going to jump right into it. And uh, to help me out, I have my co-host, Scott. Hi there. Hi. Glad to be on the show. Yeah. First podcast in my life, I think. So, just a few quick uh, quick questions for the audience to get to know you. Other than Baki, uh, what shows are you watching right now? Right now, I have not been really watching anything because uh, I've uh, just had way too much going on in the last month or so. So I haven't been regularly watching any shows. I don't know. I watched a few movies recently. Probably the last show that I was really regularly watching was Oz by HBO from like the 90s, which is a pretty wild ride. Yeah, I, 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 my, my guess was going to be that you weren't watching anything, but I, watch, I, I ask everybody that one. Um, and then the second one, just so we have a frame of reference, before watching this episode, what did you know about Baki? Literally nothing. Like, less than zero. Perfect. All right. I, I, guess, I guess they don't reference Baki on any episodes of Oz. I, yeah, it doesn't really come up that much in, in any context, really. Okay, well, perfect. So, uh, this is a crazy episode. Uh, I'm just going to, we're just sort of going to talk through what happens as it goes. So, um, Scott, can you walk me through how the episode starts? I, I believe Baki and uh, Kozue are having a, some, or on a date. I mean, I just learned the, the lady's name. <laughs> but he's like, just, because they never mention the name in the episode. But, uh, yeah, they're just like walking along in the dark through park along a path very quietly and then they then they start talking about their feelings i guess as as people do yeah i've been there <laughs> he's just like he's just wearing a t-shirt that just says the word gather which i noticed and i was kind of i don't know i only noticed the second time i watched it and i was like that's just a good shirt i guess like what's the content what are we gathering I think what is this brand? Maybe that's why they're out in the park. He's like a, a gatherer. He's looking for berries or things like that. It could be. Okay. So there's no in-universe logic to this. I don't think he ever wears that shirt again. Um, okay. I think, I think that's just what he wears on dates. Um, <laughs> all right. So I, I, I saw there was an interesting uh, flashback in that scene. Kozue was talking to Baki. She didn't want him to fight uh, and was talking about all of when you fight another man, think of all of the loved ones that he has before hitting him. I mean, I get that someone might dream of being known as the best and strongest fighter in the world. But what you men don't understand is that every fighter you beat into submission has a, a wife or a child or a lover. Someone who cares about them. Baki then, instead of rebutting that, just started making out with her. Do you think that was an effective debate? Uh, do you think Do you think Kozue or Baki was in the right there? I mean, I, I, I think you're skipping my favorite line from the episode of... Uh... I could get hurt or even die, but win or lose, this is the only choice I have. 
After 17 years of doing nothing, this is what I've got to do with my life. Basically, he's like, no, you don't understand. I might die, but that's my choice to make. I don't really care that you, you know, that you feel this way. Um, because he says, like, after 17 years of doing nothing, <laughs> this is the path. This is the path I've chosen, or something like that. It, it, I think he said it was his only choice. <laughs> yeah. Is he? I, I'm sorry. Is he a boxer or like an MMA fighter? Like, what is the? I, I would say MMA is MMA is the closest. A lot of fighters in this okay. show sort of have like a gimmick. He's sort of he sort of does everything. Yeah, um, okay. I knew you when you were 17, Scott. Did you ever feel that after 17 years of doing nothing, you had to choose between uh, going into the underground fighting ring or uh, I don't even know what the other choice would be? Well, was he... So he is 17 years old. I think that that flashback was like a month ago. But but the thing is, it's like it's like just such a weird way of counting your life. You're like, yes, you know, I was I was I was two. I was doing nothing. I, I was five years old. I was doing nothing. Really, nothing good came out of my entire childhood. None of it was worthwhile. I, I was just you know kind of milling around and wasting away the years of my life, <laughs> right? Yeah, but but uh, honestly, it just seems what... like a weird way to frame it. Honestly, what were you doing at two years old, though? I, I think Baki might have some, like, clarity into this. Well, no, I was really into trucks at the time and uh, construction equipment. A lot, of, a lot of people are. I, okay. I hope he wasn't wasting his time. I, I see. So you didn't waste your time as a two-year-old, and so you didn't have to go into <laughs> cage fighting. In a, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah I, certainly didn't, I certainly didn't feel that way anyways. <laughs> No, I, I did write that down because uh, that is that was a great line. Yeah, uh, that that's mostly the flashback. Uh, so after that, a large I don't know. Do you want to describe the guy who shows up behind them in the middle of the night? He's the the really like he has no pupils most of the time. Yeah, it comes back occasionally. Um, I think they said later his name is Speck. And he's just like giant, and he has an extremely long face and like a, a pointy, like just a long chin, an incredibly long chin, and he's always smiling. Yeah, he's an upbeat dude. And he talk like he narrates everything he's doing too. Like he talks a lot. One of my one of my favorite things during this show are those type of characters because when I use clips, it's a lot better when they just <laughs> describe what they're doing, almost like a radio play. Uh, yeah, for the for the podcasting crowd, he's like an ideal villain. You're not mad that I drew first blood. It don't annoy you a little that I just nailed your ass with a sucker punch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Spec shows up right behind Baki and Kozwe, actually right as he's kissing her, so only Baki can see Spec. Mm. And then uh, the other main character from the episode, Hanayama. Uh, Ka Karu Hanayama, I believe is his full name. Kaoru Hanayama, named boss of the Hanayama gang at the age of 15. Japan's number one brawler. His credo is no weapons, no training. Shows up and then uh, just punches Spec and they disappear into the night, causing Kozue to uh, remark, it's such a peaceful, quiet night. Hmm. 
so quiet, so peaceful. Um, were, do you do you think it would have been that quiet um, if two gigantic Goliaths uh, dragged each other away about a foot behind you? Yeah, I I don't really buy it. I don't. I maybe she, maybe he was he did just succeed in distracting her from both her own emotions and her sensory awareness of the world around her. So maybe it was very successful by just kissing her. That could he completely be completely took her out of the world. And maybe it's like a technique where like like I think his hands were on her head. Maybe he just puts his hands over her ears so she can't hear anything as it's happening, and she she won't even notice. Little pro tip uh, for I, the dating people out there. I yeah, I don't really, like. Did he have? Because I mean, I didn't get a good sense of the relative, but scale of these people. But I assume Baki is like a regular sized dude compared to this giant man. Yeah, I think Baki's probably like the average height of a man, maybe like five five or something like that. Okay. Spec okay. is probably seven feet tall. Um, mm-hmm. He's like only the second tallest guy this season after Dorian. So this this episode doesn't have as much jumping around as uh, most of the previous ones. There's really just one plot line for the rest of the episode, which is Speck versus Hanayama. So Scott, just just walk walk me through like this fight and I I'll just jump in with um <laughs> my thoughts. Well, Hanayama just I don't I don't know if I'd say that it's like entirely linear. But there's just like a bunch of flashbacks to these guys' history, right? True. Like they, you know, they're like, oh, Hanayama is this, uh, you know, member of a yakuza clan, and he has all of these tattoos. And I, I mean, I, I was kind of like, okay, cool. Um, you know, it's just giving like exposition and and you know, stakes building for uh, for this fight that's going on. And Hanayama mostly just like sits there and watches the shit get kicked out of himself apparently for the longest time yeah he doesn't see much uh, value in blocking or moving or really really doing anything uh, and just gets kicked in the face like yeah he's times. just just a sponge for punishment really there's like some bewildered bystanders who are like uh, oh, what the hell's going on <gasps> is he even human which one the yellow giant or the monster in the thong and the one is just like he's being attacked by a monster in a thong which is which is good because the appearance of this guy is like the most i yeah i mean it, it would be very off-putting to see a giant man in a thong who's also like incredibly ripped just like you know on visibly on steroids in addition to the fact that he's like 50 feet tall or whatever uh it would be quite the sight yeah, so just for some context, Hanayama actually showed up in a nice business suit, um, very mobster style, and then tore off his entire outfit as if they were tearaway pants, but they weren't. He's just that strong, mm-hmm. and decided to fight in just um, a thong, really. Um, the thong that he had under his business suit, presumably. I guess, Yeah, I guess he just wears that every day. Just in case he needs to rip off his pants and get the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> exactly. I was going to ask your thoughts on his tattoo because we spend a, a large, a large flashback learning about his uh, tattoo, which is a, a yakuza tradition for his family. It, it, it's specific to him, though. It seems that he didn't like it the way it was, so he went and 
murdered about 50 people from an opposing crime family and then with the cuts they had made into the back on his tattoo he liked the tattoo more afterwards and that's how kaoru hanayama put the finishing touches on his version of sentinel standing beautiful I was gonna say, do you think his tattoo looked good, and do you think it was worth, like, would you recommend that to somebody who just got a tattoo to go out and slaughter a rival gang? Yeah, without a doubt. Like, if you're in, uh, especially if you think that you might be in an anime show, like, it's a really good way to build up your cred. Because otherwise, like, if you don't have a backstory, then really, who are you? You're just some, some guy. Yeah, and it's not worth it at that point. You're you're Rob Robinson at that point. Exactly. Okay, was the um the bit about the uh the guys having just a knife fight in the middle of the street was that part <laughs> of his backstory too, or I was kind of confused because I was like, where did this guy with the blonde hair come from? Okay, who is stopping these two you know just random hoods from having from knifing each other? Yeah, that's a fun one, because, like, it really has no con... It, like, I don't think that character comes back, really. And he didn't have much to do anyway. But in the previous anime, before Baki, the the big climax was this 38-person martial arts tournament that Baki won. And this, I guess, was one of the mooks who probably got knocked out in the first round. He, I, I guess he did exist before. I don't think he did much. Okay, so so I'm I'm not like uh, completely lost for having no sense of what's going on there, um, beyond the fact that obviously this is the only episode of this TV show that I've ever seen in my life. No, you would have you would have had no idea if you've watched the previous four. Uh, also, he's also okay. he's a he's a confusing guy. So so we're introduced to two complete randos uh, fighting each other, uh, just in the middle of the street. Seems like a lot of people are watching. One guy pulls a knife out. The other guy pulls a knife out, and then Chiharu, I believe is his name. Chiharu Shiba, leader of a biker gang. Uh, walks in and scolds them for using a knife. All right, boys, put those knives away. In his words, by using a knife, you are throwing away the advantage of being at a disadvantage. I thought that was very poetic for a street fighter with King Ghidorah tattooed onto his back. Well, he also says it like at least two to three times in case you didn't think it was poetic. So maybe by the, you know, the, the next few times around, you'll be like, yeah, he's got a point. Got maybe, away with words. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's trying to like make it a thing. Like, yeah. oh, it's the disadvantage guy. And the, um, I don't these like knife fighters have a very like shaggy from scooby-doo type just bewilderedness yeah i think i get it yeah thanks <sighs> what? just some like some good classic clueless guy grunts going on yeah which is hilarious like they, they just pulled a knife to like kill another guy and like they, they just lose all of their guts gusto instantly and this this guy isn't even half as badass as the other characters in the episode. He's not even six feet tall, probably. Yeah, he's like maybe, maybe six maybe feet. you know a half a head half a head over them. Yeah, that's nothing. <laughs> exactly. I feel like that's just there as an allegory um, 
to uh, to just sort of set the stage for Hanayama's uh, philosophy. I don't know if it touches in this episode. I think his, his credo is training is stupid, and he just mm. likes to he's he's just likes fighting people. But even like when he's fighting people, like most of the time he doesn't really want to fight people. It seems like he's just like yeah, I'll just wait twenty minutes, get you know pummeled, and uh, after that I'll just one shot him. I'll just continuously punch him in the face. Uh, it's 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 truly a beautiful yeah. martial art. Okay. Um, on the topic of random uh, breakups to the fight, uh, the Statue of Liberty uh, makes an appearance in this episode. Scott, just wa- walk me through what happened to the Statue of Liberty. Okay, I was also really reasonably confused by that one. Because it just kind of comes out of nowhere. There's like just like a patrol cop going along. He's dum 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 dum. And then I. Uh, he sees a poster and starts peeling it up and he's like, no one ever tells me anything around here. And then it kind of cuts from what I, am I right on this? Like it just cuts to boom. The statue of Liberty is like crumbling. Well, he, he, when he pulls off the poster, you can see that there are fist marks as in somebody has been punching the base of the statue. Mm, Right. Right. Command center. We got an emergency here. It's a statue. She's falling apart. And then there are a number of dudes who are just like ratchet strapping the Statue of Liberty back together, being like, "Okay, we gotta stop this from thing from falling apart." Can can I can I read you the, uh, the line after they after they did all of the work to save the Statue of Liberty? Do it. Thank you. Job well done. Your efforts have saved the Statue of Liberty from being destroyed. In a way, what you've done means more to the nation than any victory in the theater of battle. <laughs> right right i mean you know what they're not wrong um it may as well may as well treat them like the troops this november 11th um remember the real heroes (laughs) yeah who saved the statue of liberty from being punched to death by um a death row inmate yeah i what I wanted to, what I was surprised by, and you know, it, it's always the little things when it's this absurd. So theoretically, Speck came over and some, for some reason, flew to Ellis Island, uh, and for some reason, mm-hmm. punched the Statue of Liberty so hard that it started to crack. And I buy that. Where is he usually? Like, where is his set to begin with? Uh, it's set in Tokyo. However, we first met Speck in an underground or an underwater submarine prison so theoretically he used to live in jail i don't know if there's a timeline here it sort of feels like he he lived in a submarine jail flew to ellis island punched the statue of liberty flew to tokyo um to fight japanese guys (laughs) the i mean the statue of liberty thing is kind of kind of national treasury like just you know just being like okay we gotta gotta put the american uh you know the, the american identity like you know just the monuments of this this silly old country uh into the story in order to make people really feel the stakes I'm just, uh, it's, just, it's a lot i'm just imagining a remake of like national treasure with like the rock and like he'll it'll be like we have to punch through the lincoln memorial inside <laughs> There's a, there's a treasure inside. 
Why? I mean, that could be National Treasure three. Like your guess is as good as mine as to what direction they're taking it. Here's here's hoping they get the writers from Boggy. But here here's my question: Spec punches the Statue of Liberty so hard. Who put up the little blue sheet of of cloth over it? And once they removed that cloth, the whole building collapsed. Was that cloth holding together the entire Statue of Liberty? Yeah, I mean that's a good point. That's a really good point. Like, where was that cloth when they needed it on nine <laughs> eleven? Like, oh my god, that's National, National Treasure four. National <laughs> recover, recover this magical cloth that holds everything together. It's 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 the fabric of our nation, right there. <laughs> the fabric of the nation. Oh man! Yeah, and that beat cop just pulled it up like it was nothing. Yeah, he just—who knows where he put it? Anywho, really. All right, that so that was that was probably the weirdest um, segue in Baki uh, so far. Definitely won't be the the weirdest overall. I think. Like, are they all like this? Are they all just inserting these random weird storylines? Well, they definitely do that if there's a fight, especially this season. Okay. I think the show had a low budget, so like fight scenes are pretty high budget. So it's yeah. it's great if you can drop in the narrator talking and like weird shit that you can. Mm-hmm. Well, that this is the perfect segue to the next point where we learn about the Tokyo Metro Police for about a minute and a half. What you're looking at is the official gear and body armor used by the Metropolitan Police Department's anti-terror task force. The 20 members of the task force exhausted test cops. Their special FR cross helmets have been verified. They must be at least five, five times each member of the helmet's normal minimum of 176 pounds. And every specification, how they have to be like five foot ten and work out and no judo. Yeah. Well, that was just like a that was just kind of a hype sequence, though, because I think I think it's basically like I mean it feels like it's about uh, playing card character you know like Yu-Gi-Oh characters or something like that where it's just like every fight you have to build it up and be like oh these are the secret attacks these are the strengths these are the weaknesses uh this is why these guys are badass because it they kind of just like set those guys up to get the shit kicked out of them later yes oh yeah and and they get their shit kicked out of them three seconds after we learn who they are yeah but it it just doesn't work in a show like maybe it's because I've watched so many episodes but like you know it's it there's different tiers of people like i would say the police are at the bottom regular people the police olympic athletes people who know martial arts like the, yeah the the these are red shirt tier dudes we're talking about you yeah. know they're kind of like oh they have great weapons and uh training and they all are at least five foot eight <laughs> it would, um, it would be like, like if it'd be like if we spend a minute and, and captain kirk just kept talking about like the security team on the enterprises top notch they are all well trained great attendance they all uh have very shiny boots like well yeah because i mean I, it's like do they just take anyone onto the starship enterprise like do they have no standards or uh or are they actually like reasonably well qualified dudes? They're just up against you know challenging situations, and they also just sometimes do inexplicably dumb stuff. Like I don't know. Yeah, that'll that'll be a good um, a good talking point on my next podcast, the six hundred part uh, <laughs> Star Trek episode by episode. Uh, I'll launch right after this. 
Yeah, that one could be a that one could be a long a long haul. But yeah, to, to answer your question, I would say most episodes of Baki are like this. Um, but this is probably we we've done five, and I think this is the best one so far, okay. or or at least my favorite. So top twenty percent, let's say. So yeah, they talk about the Metro Police. This is um, the police officer who you might remember from this for the the viewers. The viewers might remember episode two, where Speck. Uh, humiliated him with his intense stream of urine at the urinal Mm. so this police officer uh, is being told how great the metro police is and then shown footage of them just getting absolutely manhandled by speck and he's like after they finish like hyping them up and be like oh they have the best equipment training he's like that's enough i just want to know about why they got the shit kicked out of them (laughs) and and then he finds out exactly why anywho I think that after that we get into the final stage of the fight, um, probably the most uplifting stage, and honestly just a fun brain off sort of fight. Kaoru Hanayama's power had transcended that of the gods. Where Hanayama, after getting the shit kicked out of him for five minutes um just starts punching speck repeatedly in the face man we, we didn't even talk about it Speck's special move that he can go without breathing for five minutes yeah uh, i was gonna say how could you forget about the the apnea rush well what do you think of my apnea rush never let up boy which means you won't get the chance to counterattack. I I don't under I feel like I don't understand what apnea is. I always assumed it was like related to not being able to breathe when you sleep, like sleep apnea. I never, I never thought of it as like a, a combat move. Yeah, that's kind of what I was was thinking too. But apparently, apparently, it just means the temporary cessation of breathing. In which case, I guess it's like yeah, yeah, okay. Um, he's just not breathing for five minutes as he's pummeling away at Hanayama. I do have to say, I would be intimidated. Well, I'd be intimidated if I saw Speck in real life from 100 yards away. But if he started punching me for five minutes straight <laughs> with, with no break, <laughs> I, mean, I, guess, I guess that's my real question. Why does he need this? Who has he fought in his life before that he just needed to punch them for five minutes straight? <laughs> yeah. I, I Like... There's, there's that, and they just have like a weird explanation where they're like, they're like, even runners who have practiced anaerobic training for years must still breathe while they run. Even Olympians who practice apneatic running still have to breathe. <laughs> yeah, like, of well, yeah, I, I mean, I hope so. Imagine you're a fucking Olympian and you're just like, <laughs> I'm gonna do this all without breathing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I don't know how I just don't know how much of an advantage this is supposed to be because like I don't I mean I don't know I've I, I've never boxed in my life um, but you know it's like are you really getting punched like during the pause that you take when you're breathing or is it more like when you have to do something like wind up because it seems like it's more just like he can move his arms like supernaturally fast then it has anything to do with his breathing it feels like something that would be a real minor 
like super minor thing like oh i breathe i i take in a breath I, I, I can't, I, I don't think it's one of those things where, like, I take in a breath and my guard drops and you can now punch me straight in the face. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, I think this would be more useful if he were, for instance, um, playing the saxophone. <laughs> but uh, I just don't know how much it helps in the, in the MMA field. Oh, man. If, if only he hadn't resorted to a life of crime. And honestly, we don't could, even we don't even know what his crime was. Maybe it was just punching the Statue of Liberty. That's not even a violent crime. No, it's not. I mean, yeah, you could just punch the Statue of, Amer- of Liberty, say, I hate America, and then become a great jazz musician. And that would be a different, more productive, ultimately, arc for his, his character. That would be, yep. <laughs> I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna write that one down for the writers of Bog here. Yes, so the Apnea Rush, I was talking before, why would you ever need this attack? But of course, uh, Hanayama, being a literal brick house, just stands with his arms up, uh, like, show me your dukes, and gets hit for what I assume was five minutes straight. And then does, he looks like, like a, it, it's, it's the type of punch Donkey Kong would do. Like, he just winds up slowly and punches the guy in the face sending him back probably 20 yards before picking him up saying have you had enough you had enough yet and then doing it again and again <laughs> did you feel did you feel inspired watching that that uh segment of the fight i mean i felt a little bit uh a little bit confused but uh i i guess you could say it's inspiring yeah like no matter what no matter how much punishment you take they never really have you down you're never at a disadvantage it's all just in your head it's what you make of it yeah and if you are at a disadvantage you're actually at an advantage mm-hmm. um yeah yeah and... exactly i think wayne gretzky said that <laughs> so this episode of course i have to use this pun does end on a bang the final shot of the episode uh do you want to just describe this one scott <laughs> i think um speck just pulls like a half dozen bullets out of somewhere and I assume they're really large bullets because these are giant people that we're talking about. <laughs> and yep. he somehow manages to get them into Hanayama's mouth and then he punches them in the jaw so that they all detonate, they all go off. And then we get a, a cut to the credits and, you know, uh, you, you gotta wait 10 seconds until they pop the next episode on for you to find out what happens. So, had enough yet? Yeah, yeah. I've had enough. Yep. Yeah, the episode ends with Hanayama's face literally exploding. Um, Like, you can see all the light and energy coming out of his mouth and nose and eye sockets um it's probably the best cliffhanger i think of the season so far well i mean a lot happened in this episode from what i gather it did it it didn't it didn't you know at at the end of the day this was just one fight between two guys in a park yeah so i mean it's just kind of what you see in in vancouver every time you go on the bus (laughs) hopefully they both aren't uh (laughs) 
<laughs> Hopefully they aren't like two muscular men in thongs. Or one guy in a thong and one in no. a black spy outfit. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of just like, okay, let's let's have a fight. Let's let's do this. And make that the whole episode. So since since you didn't watch the next episode, who do you, uh, who do you think's going to win? I mean, I just like like Haniyama doesn't show any blood or bruises or any signs of damage from uh, you know, from being destroyed, like just pummeled nearly endlessly throughout that episode. So I I just can't really see these these bullets that Spec pulled out of his back pocket as having that much effect on the uh, the man in a thong. Yep, I think that's fair. And, you know, I know the answer, so I won't say, but uh, I think we'll find out next week. Or whenever I upload the next episode. All right. Uh, so that, that was the episode. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I have a few outro questions for you. First off, before I, ju- I go too far, what, did you have any unanswered questions? Any Anything that you wanted to know about what was going on, or did it all make enough sense? I mean, it all made sense. I just I, I don't know what this guy Baki has to do with the, the incredibly large dudes. I don't know how they got so large. Uh, I have literally no context. But I mean, aside from that, I you know... Not that many questions. <laughs> and Spec is on death row. He was, but like, who's gonna, who's gonna catch him? Honestly, you you saw what the yeah, Tokyo Metropolitan insane. Police could do. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's like, do you have like a twenty foot tall electric chair or whatever for this guy? Like, no. Yeah, no. Throw throw him into the ocean or something. Yeah, you're gonna put him on the same gallows that you used to hang Godzilla? Like, no. <laughs> All right. Um, second question for you. So I, this is this is sort of a fun little question that I give to everybody. I'm trying to make like a little encyclopedia of all the characters. So Scott, I figured with this episode, Specs already been done. So I was hoping if you could define Hanayama for me in just a in a few in a you know brief sentence or two. I mean, I I I really like the just random civilian who's like, is just like monster in thong for Hanayama. <laughs> Like what more? What more do you need to know? No, um, I, I, I think I, 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 w- I would, I would stick with that. That one's to me. That's if if it ain't if it ain't broken, don't fix it. I I love it. That's that's a perfect description of him. And the last question, super important one. Now that you've watched an episode of Baki, do you think that it is a good show? That's a tough question. I don't watch that much. Uh, I I don't watch enough anime to know the standards for this genre or the conventions for this genre. After this episode, I'm kind of inclined to say no, uh, but I I haven't really given it too much of a chance because I I was like, I watched this for 20 minutes and I was like, so there's just like a fight and that's it. Like, what is? <laughs> is there more to it than that? I, I I just couldn't figure out what what more was going on. Yeah, that's a that's a very fair take, um, and I I think you're pretty in line with most of the responses so far. Oh man! All right. Well, thank thanks for coming on the show, Scott. <laughs> no problem. It's been a blast. I'm, I'm sure maybe I'll have you on again someday. I got to get through fifty of these episodes. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a lot of episodes. Yeah. Oh, and a new season comes out this year, so maybe even more. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm sure in like five episodes, the context would not really be any different. Like, I would still be like, you know, I saw one episode, but now I have no idea what's going on anyways. Yep. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. Jack Jack saw the first episode of this show, and he didn't have any idea what was going on. So. (laughs) Perfect. That's admirable on the part of the show writers. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the Baki that we can talky. Um, still working on my sign off, but uh, see you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>